Hey, thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, our study is in the book of 1 Samuel. If you're in a place where you can grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study. I love getting together with the guys I get together with, and all guys are welcome, but I love getting together with the guys on Tuesday morning because a dozen of us or so get into battle together and we're praying and interceding on your behalf, on behalf of our missionaries around. We're engaged in it together. And it creates a wonderful bond because you're connected. Husbands, wives, pray together. Talk about the things of the Lord together. Get in the battle together. It's wonderful. It's powerful. It's a truth that creates this bond of development. Well, these guys know, no doubt, that they had developed character because of their tribulations, but David had no idea what all was coming down the pipe. As he's looking down this, he's wondering, hey, what have I done? What's really wrong? So back to our main story. Chapter 20, we've gotten one verse out of the way. We're moving forward. We've only got about 40 more to go tonight. We'll be fine. You guys sit tight. It'll be good. So Jonathan said to him, by no means you shall not die. Indeed, my father will do nothing, either great or small, without first telling me. And why should my father hide this thing from me? It is not so. Well, yes and no. He is going to come after him. David doesn't die because God's plan is gonna prevail. So it's kind of a yes and no situation because his dad is plotting. He maybe is wishful thinking that his dad's not as whacked as he knows his dad kind of is. He's kind of hoping maybe it's not that way, but on, on the same token, it is true. God's plan's gonna prevail. Then David took an, uh, an oath again and said, your father certainly knows that I have found favor in your eyes. And he has said, do not let Jonathan know this lest he be grieved but truly as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. That's the way David was looking at his life, man. There's just this little step, one, one moment between me and death. I, I think that's good. I think it's a great way to live. I think it's a good way to think. It keeps us on our toes. It keeps us aware of the reality of our own mortality and the significance of our interaction with one another. I think it's a great purifying factor for us to live as if we were a step away from entering into eternity. Because you know what? Think about it. If you did know, I, write, I wrote my, my notes on the bottom. I just have little space to write, but I write very small and it's hard sometimes to read. But that's why I got bifocal so I can see it large. But I just wrote down, how would you live? And this was a question I wrote to myself. I wrote, how would you live if this was your last day? And I put in parentheses, how would you interact with others? What would really be the important conversation that you would have that you're not? And why not? Because you and I don't really have the guarantee past this moment together right now that we have. Now, is the floating boundary between the past and the future. And the now is what you got. Past is gone, the future's not yours yet. Now is all we have, the moment. And it's so important 
to think through how, what would I say, what would I do different, and why, why, why would that be different? I think these are good things to think on, to live that way. There is but a step between me and death because truly that is the case of all of humanity. But this idea here that, you know, he goes, hey, I know you think that about your dad, basically David's saying, but the reality is he just doesn't want to say that to you because you're close with me and that's just, he doesn't want to talk about it with you. He doesn't want you to know. So Jonathan said to David, whatever you yourself desire, I will do it for you. And so David said to Jonathan, indeed, tomorrow is the new moon and I shall not fail to sit with the king to eat, but let me go that I may hide in the field until the third day at evening. He says, look, there's gonna be all kinds of festivals and kind of partying mode going on. Your dad's gonna expect that I'm gonna be sitting as one of his key guys and I'm gonna be sitting there eating with him. You know, I'm gonna be hanging out with him. Look, you know, I'm, I'm gonna be gone and let's check this out and let's see what's really going down. That's basically what he's saying. Let's, let's see what's really happened. If your father misses me at all, then say, David, you know, so if he asks about me, say, David earnestly asked permission of me that he might run over to Bethlehem, his city, for there is a yearly sacrifice there for all the family. And so he's saying, hey, I, I'm, I wanna be with the rest of my family. We have a regular annual thing that we do. And so I'm gonna go over there. He asked me, is that cool if I go? If he says, Thus, it is well with your servant. Your servant will be safe. But if he is very angry, be sure that evil is determined by him. Therefore, you shall deal kindly with your servant, for you have brought your, your servant into a covenant of the Lord. Remember they, how they cut covenant together? They separated the, the animal sacrifice. They walked between it together. They've cut covenant. We talked about that and the significance of that. Truly, let's look at it. This, they're deadly serious about their relationship and their commitment in, to one another. That's the, the gist of that thought. And it's a binding agreement. Nevertheless, if there is iniquity in me, kill me yourself. For why should you bring me to your father? It, it, okay, so now that's a little bit of a paranoid thought on, on David's part, okay? This is what I was saying about, you know, he's, he's kind of freaked out. He's a little bit stressed out. He's a lot of, under a lot of pressure. And he kind of says, oh, well, look at man, look at Jonathan. If, you, if this is between you and me, man, then you just deal with it, you know? It's kind of what he, so look at, you get put up against the wall, you get the cornered thing going, and you can get some weird stuff brewing in your head. And so that's, we're just seeing him exhibiting normal things that anybody would do in a, in a tough circumstance. I've, don't you love how God and by the power of his spirit has portrayed for us the humanity also? I think it's so good for us to see that because we're seeing real people dealing with real situations and as they're dealing with real situations and God's in the mix of it with them, we're getting to watch this play out and say, yeah, I've kind of done that, hmm. you know? But that's okay. Let's look at this and see how it finishes out, how it kind of plays out. That's just a word of caution for all of us. When we get stressed, guard your mind and your heart, be wise, don't get all freaked out about everything. Not everybody's against you. It's all, you know, there's purpose and plan and things. Jonathan said, far be it from you, for if I knew certainly that evil was determined by my father to come upon you, then would I not tell you? He says, of course I would talk to you. My friend, man, I, we've cut covenant, man. I'm, I'm gonna talk to you straight about it. That's what true friends do, right? True friends are gonna tell the truth. Sometimes it's painful, right? The wounds of a, a friend are, are, are good, but uh, 
Deceitful is, is a whole nother thing, isn't it? He says, I, I wouldn't be deceitful with you. I'm your friend. I, I would tell you. In verse 10, then David said to Jonathan, who will tell me or what if your father answers you roughly? And Jonathan said to David, come, let us go out in the field. So both of them went out into the field. So Jonathan says, I got an idea. Let's go out here and talk about it. Jonathan said to David, the Lord God of Israel is witness. When I have sounded out my father sometime tomorrow or the third day, and indeed there is a good toward David, and I do not send you and tell you. May the Lord do so and much more to Jonathan. But if it pleases my father to do you evil, then I will report it to you. He says, either way, I'm, I'm gonna let you know dude, what's going down, good or bad. I'm gonna be straightforward with you. I think that's so important, isn't it? You know, that straightforward, we're, we're losing a lot of that in our world today, aren't we? Just, just people talking straight about situations and circumstances. Man, we appreciate that, don't we? Uh, we really need that kind of straight talk. Then I will report, if it's, a good, if it's a bad word, then I will report it to you and send you away that you may go in safety. He says, I'll give you a warning so you can get out of here and you'll be okay. And the Lord will be with you as he has been with my father. Basically, he's not saying has been with his father because his father's gone crazy. So he's not talking about that. He's talking about, hey, my dad's king. You're gonna ultimately be king. You're gonna be anointed king too. It's, you know, it's all, it's gonna work out for you, basically is what he's saying. And you shall not only show me the kindness of the Lord while I still live, that I may not die, but you shall not cut off your kindness from my house forever. No, not when the Lord has cut off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David saying, let the Lord require it at the hand of David's enemies. We'll talk about this a little bit later because we kind of close out with this thought, okay, tonight. But they made this agreement basically that no matter what happens, even if there's you know, deep-seated friction and issues, that basically, as far as Jonathan's relationship with him, that, that David wasn't gonna go after and kill any of his family members or anything like that, was basically the, the, the arrangement that they were making. Because he's, he's extending kindness toward him and showing, hey, let's, let's agree on this together, that we're, gonna, that we're gonna be on the same team still. Now, Jonathan, again, caused David to vow because he loved him, for he loved him as, as he loved his own soul. They had a great, strong bond. Then Jonathan said to David, tomorrow is the new moon, and you will be missed because your, your seat will be empty. And when you have stayed three days, go down quickly and come to the place where you hid on the day of the deed and remain by the stone easel. Then... I will shoot three arrows to the side as though I shot at a target. Their cell phones had bad reception there and they weren't able to communicate the normal way, but texting wasn't working. It just wasn't coming together. And there I will send a lad saying, go and find the arrows. And if I expressly say to the lad, look, the arrows are on this side of you, get them and come. Then as the Lord lives, there is safety for you and no harm, but... If I say thus to the young man, look, the arrows are beyond you. Go your way for the Lord has sent you away. So he's saying, you know, this is what I'm gonna say because God's sending you away. I underlined that double underlining on for the Lord has sent you away. Man, I think that's important to note. Sometimes we picture all this as if we are victims of circumstances. I don't care very much for the whole victim mentality on everything, okay? Because it's not really the case for believers, is it? 
If you're a Christian, the Bible says, unless Romans 8.28 got removed out of your sword, out of your Bible, Romans 8.28 says what? All things work together for good. Some of you know the scripture. Uh, all things work together for good for those who love God. It's, it bothers me so much that we don't, as Christians, finish that. Please finish that when you talk, to, especially when it's a heathen. When it's somebody that doesn't know God, finish it. All things aren't gonna work together for good for them. That's not true. It's not true for the non-believer. Don't lie to them. You're lying to them if you don't tell them the whole story. The whole story is this. All things work together for good for those who love God and are the called according to his purposes. So the whole story is, hey, if you love God, God's gonna work this horrible situation for good. You wanna love God? Here's the way you love God. You can give your life, surrender to Jesus Christ. You know, it's a great open door. You, you see what I'm saying? But the circumstance, you can't give that kind of guarantee. Oh yeah, things are gonna work out. But if you're a Christian, I can say to you, if you come talk to me, I don't care what the situation is. I can tell you, but you know what? God's got a purpose and a plan because all things will work together for good. Ask Joseph, how'd things go for him? Oh, he had this primo life, man. He just led this great, his life was awesome. You know, no, it was not. He had a very lot of difficult times, didn't he? Now, do you ever think that God wasn't with him? Well, there are times where you look at it and you go, I, I, boy, I don't know, it doesn't look good. I've stood, just because of my construction background, I've had to be in some ditches that are fairly deep and not super wide. So I kind of have a little bit of a concept about what it's like maybe standing in there and knowing that, well, if, if, the whole, if the ditch didn't go back up at a slight ramp and I didn't know the backhoe was still operating, I would be very concerned about getting out, right? But I can see that I can find my way out. Well, he got just thrown in this you know, pit by his brothers and left there. Now you gotta believe it, you question things like that. What have I done, what's gone on? My brothers hate me. Now they come get him. Oh gosh, we can't leave him for dead in here. We gotta at least get, you know. So they pull him back out and then they find, oh, there's some gypsies from Egypt. Let's sell them off to them, some slave traders. Perfect. Think about it. this is not like, oh wow, gosh, awesome, God's leading me. But God was leading. Please understand that in your difficulty, in your trials, in your suffering, some, God can be very much at work in the midst of that, even though it's very difficult and sometimes hard to see. For the Lord sent you away. I just love that. It was God's doing. And as for the matter which you and I have spoken of, indeed, the Lord be between you and me forever. Great. So up to that point, good news. I would say this uh, verses 19 on in through 23 has got a couple of interesting things that we wanna look at quickly very quickly, and then we'll move on. This place, you know, they had all their stuff, they named things, you know, the rock of this, the well of that, that, you know, remember how they named places, you know, that was just what, and so it's always interesting to look at what, what's the name of, well, the stone easel. It's interesting that, that the easel means that shows the way. It's interesting that that's just what that particular, that it shows, that that's what it means, that shows the way. So he's to go hang out by the rock that ultimately shows the way. It's just, I think that's fascinating. Wonderful little things to find. The Bible's rich and deep in all kinds of concepts and truths. And then it says, then I will shoot three arrows. Basically the idea of wait at the base of the rock and an arrow will show the way. Now you and I are thinking, golly, 
and I got this difficulty, I got this situation, I got this stuff going on, so I'm just gonna hang out the rock and I'm you know, watching, for, waiting for some arrows to point the direction, you know? You wish it would be like that sometimes, don't you? Like, could you please point me in the right direction on some of this, show me what to do next, show me how to go about this? Because sometimes it's difficult, you know? to really figure out what's the leading. Because the point is, that's one of the big questions we all get. What's the will of the Lord or what's the leading of the Lord in a situation? And I think sometimes we gotta think through, well, sometimes we gotta just stay close to the rock, stay close to Jesus. And in time, he will point you in the right way. Circumstances, situations, things will guide you as you stay close to the Lord. God is faithful to do that. He will always point you in the right direction, but I think definitely one of the keys is to stay close to the rock, close to the person of Jesus Christ, man. That's where we get our direction and our guidance. And God is faithful. And I like this, God gives us direction, not based on our perfection. So it's not necessarily always based on you and I always thinking and doing exactly all the right things. God is a loving Father that's gonna give you and I direction because he loves us. You know, think about it. You don't withhold guidance just because someone's getting a little bit skewed. You don't withhold guidance on that. Sometimes it's all the more reason you need to step in and give a little more guidance, right? God is so loving and he's a wonderful father that wouldn't withhold. The Bible says he withholds no good thing he withholds no good thing from us. And so as his kids, man, he, you can trust that God's gonna give you the guidance you need because he's a loving father. Then David in verse 24, hid in the field. And when the new moon had come, the king sat down to, to eat the feast. Now the king sat down in, in his seat as at other times. And on a seat by the wall, and, and Jonathan arose and Abner sat by Saul's side but David's place was empty. Nevertheless, Saul did not say anything that day for he thought something has happened to him. He is unclean. Surely he is, he is unclean. And it happened the next day and the second day of the month that David's place was empty. And Saul said to Jonathan, his son, why has the son of Jesse not come to eat either yesterday or today? Now it's starting to get, get into the nitty gritty here. So Jonathan answered Saul, David earnestly asked permission of me to go to Bethlehem. He said, please let me go for our family has a sacrifice in the city. This is verse 29, about midway. And my brother has commanded me to be there. And now if I have found favor in your eyes, please let me go away and see my brothers. Therefore, he has not come to the king's table. Verse 30, we get the kicker. Then Saul's anger was aroused against Jonathan interesting. Now, now he's upset and angry with Jonathan. And he said to him, you son of a perverse, rebellious woman. I think we can see what that, the point of that is. Do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to, to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? You know, it's, it's a rough thing that he's saying there, really. For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, you shall not be established, nor your kingdom. He's trying to kind of threaten and say, hey, that guy, you know, is a threat to you. He, this, you see how he's trying to, isn't that the perversion of, of the enemy like that? He's trying to create this, this twist in it that, oh yeah, you see how she, he's against you, you know, and he's trying to subvertively, you know, go underneath and, and pull him into this, his, his way of thinking. 
you know, you're not gonna be able to do this or you're not gonna be able to do that if, that's, if that person's in play, you know, it's just craziness. Now, therefore, it's demonic is what it is. He says, now, therefore, send and bring him to me for he shall surely die. And Jonathan answered Saul, his father, and said to him, why should he be killed? What has he done? Legitimate question. What, what, gosh, dad, what, what, what's the problem really, you know? Then Saul, all of a sudden, went all crazy and cast a spear at him to kill him. He's thrown it out by which Jonathan knew that he, it was, that he, he got the point, didn't he now? That, he, that, that it was determined by his father to kill David. You know, this, he just turns out, I mean, you, you know, gonna pin him to the wall too. So Jonathan arose from the table in fierce anger and ate no food in the second, on the second day of the month. And we'll get into the rest of this in just a second. A couple of things before we move on. Your heart and my heart were not designed to harbor anger. Anger ultimately turns into bitterness. The bitterness and the anger feed off of one another. And the next thing you know, you're a spear chucker. You know, this is just what happens. You just go into that move. You know, you know I don't like what they, you know, we just start throwing things at people all the time. This is the interesting thing. In our story so far, he's all bent out of shape because David has kind of, God's anointing him and God's raising him up, right? And he's upset because of the calling on David's life. And he's jealous of that and he's angry about it, right? Even though, even though his anger is at David because he sees in his perverted thinking, he sees David as an enemy, right? Saul is angry at David because he sees David as a threat and an enemy to him personally. That's the way he sees it. We're clear on that. There's no questions about that. Isn't it interesting that Jesus told us, right, to love your enemy? Why? This is the truth that we find here. Love your enemies. Why? just because it seems like it's just warm and fuzzy to do or because it's, you know. No, I think Jesus knows exactly what God knows what he's trying to tell us. Love your enemies. Don't brew up this hatred. Don't get that bitterness, let it settle in your heart. There's a warning, you know, that don't let the root of bitterness set in because it will defile many. Think about this. What happens to Saul? The hatred that he's brewed up isn't just any longer directing at David anymore, but now it's in his own home. It's on his own family. It's all spreading out all over the place. He's trying to kill his own son now because of his hatred for someone. Love your enemies, Jesus said. Hi, this is Pastor Jim. You know, I know as we listen to the word, oftentimes the spirit begins to convict us. And you know, Jesus said he's the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father but through him. You know, it is very exclusive, Christianity is, and I know that offends some. 
But it's also all-inclusive in that anyone who would give their life to Jesus can have everlasting life. But it is exclusive in the sense that Jesus said he is the way, the only way to have everlasting life. If the Lord's tugging on your heart just now, would you open the door and let him in? Just pray this simple prayer of faith along with me now while you're driving or or wherever you are, uh, whatever you're doing, sitting in front of a computer, wherever you are, whether it's through the internet or through the airwaves, I just encourage you right now to open your heart to Jesus and begin that new life. Just pray this simple prayer with me. Jesus, I want to ask you to come into my heart, to forgive me of my sin, to be my personal Lord and Savior. I thank you for forgiving me. I thank you for the newness of life that I have in you, and I ask that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit, that my life might be pleasing to you and give you glory. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you may be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. And if you're social media savvy, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Calvary Chapel KC. Also, Living Fountains podcasts are available in the iTunes store now, and you can download them at no cost. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, we meet in Overland Park on Sunday mornings. The service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com, or you can simply contact the church office at 913-681-1635. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word, and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountains.